We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, we are finishing our conversation with Jessica Leahy, the author of The Gift of Failure. And this is a great interview, and I'm really just, it was great. (laughs) It was so much fun. We're going to talk about goals, transparency, honesty, things like that, and talk about the oversimplification of Carol Dweck's work. And I hope that you enjoy listening to this. One of the things we also talk about is the power of goal setting and how valuable that is. And I do a mastermind uh, every week with other principals. And I've seen the power of that goal setting in that mastermind and how it's taken all of us who are in there to a higher level because of our ability to set goals and meet those goals and sometimes not meet those goals. So I hope that uh, if you're interested in that, you'll go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind and join us and improve your leadership in a powerful way. So I did get a, a question from a principal in Oregon, and uh, I actually have it here, so I'll play it for you, and then you can answer that. Does that sound good? That sounds great. All right, so this is from Kimberly Miles in uh, Gresham, Oregon. Hi, Jessica. I'm an elementary principal in Oregon, and I have a question for you. I thoroughly enjoyed your book, and I'm trying to get my head around how I can support my teachers to be more honest with their students if they failed at a task. We've moved beyond good job, but now we are stuck on you worked hard, good job, when what the student really needs is specific feedback on next steps without funneling their thinking. The feedback might be more like, yes, I see you're really stuck with it, but you haven't come up with a solution yet. What do you think you should do next? 
We are so busy celebrating their effort, but the answer is still wrong, and my teachers are leery of telling the students they, quote-unquote, failed. What are your recommendations to move them forward? Oh, that's such a good question. That's such a good question. (laughs) Well, first of all, first I want to address the effort thing. So, you know, poor Carol Dweck has had to come back into the media and say, oh my gosh, you media people, you've oversimplified my message. So Carol Dweck, of course, for anyone listening who doesn't know, wrote the book Mindset. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Every teacher, every parent, every counselor, every coach should have to read it. And unfortunately, what's happened is instead of we've sort of oversimplified the message in our, when I say our, I mean, the media, we when I write about mindset, you know, I have to be really careful not to oversimplify because what Carol Dweck did not say is just praise kids for effort and never ever tell them that they're smart. What she said was, you know, that we should value that process more than sort of you know, talking to them and talk to them about how to improve, give them very specific feedback on how to improve while we are praising them for tackling things that are difficult for them. So, um, you know, while the title of my book is Gift of Failure, the failures aren't what's important. What's important is sort of how we help kids adapt to failure. So I think a lot of that comes down, and this is going to sound really weird, but a lot of this comes down to modeling our own, our own reaction to our failures, showing our students that we are willing to say we were wrong about something and to come back to it, um, to say, you know what, I said something last week that wasn't exactly right. Or, you know, I handled something a little bit incorrectly or, you know, wrong recently. And I want to come back to that and address it and get your feedback on that. That's really important for us to do in front of our students and in front of our kids. As a parent, it's really important to model for our kids that we're willing to to try things that are difficult for us and to keep, keep bashing away at it until we either, you know, grow enough that we feel like we can change our goals or we can, you know, we succeed at it. So that's the most important first thing is modeling. Number two, I think, you know, teaching kids to be a little more patient with their comfort with frustration and teaching kids to be a little bit more comfortable with frustration is, is incredibly important. I think kids who have been overparented or are parented by really directive or controlling parents don't have the emotional wherewithal to be patient with their struggle. And unfortunately, if, um, for those teachers who have not read the book, make it stick highly Highly yes, recommend it. Very good book. It's one of my favorite books that's come out in the past couple of years. I'm talking about the one from Harvard University Press with three authors, one of which is Roddy Rodiger. I think one of the things that we have to understand as teachers is that when our kids, when our students are comfortable with struggle, we are more able to use desirable difficulties with them, teaching them things, giving them work that is slightly above their comfort level, um, slightly more difficult than they're used to sort of mm-hmm. tackling. And that's an incredibly important learning tool because um, we help them encode short-term memory into long-term memory and it's, it gives more durable learning. So the most important thing I think I do as a teacher to, to get back to the question is to give my students honest feedback to say, look, I am really impressed with how far you've come. Let's think for a second about where you were six months ago with your writing and, oh my gosh, you've made such leaps and bounds. But you are still mixing up your tenses or or changing tenses in your piece of writing and can you see how changing tenses in your writing would really confuse your reader about where we are temporally with your characters so 
let me show you this example of where you've done that and see if you fix this one place, it helps with the piece overall. So giving them really specific feedback. There are studies that show that homework and, and work that we give kids in class is fairly useless unless we give them constructive feedback on it. So really specific feedback, constructive feedback, and modeling for the students, our own comfort with our own failures, I think is really the way to go with uh, with the answer to that question. So, Well, great, great answer. And I, I love the idea of figuring out how to give feedback that is actually going to work. And, yeah. you know, there are a lot of opportunities for for us to do that. And sometimes we take really good advantage of them and sometimes we just don't. And that can be disheartening when you think of a great thing to have been able to say to your kid or to a student three days mm-hmm. later. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. Oh, I should have said that. Yeah. That would have really helped support them. But well, anyway, and to that, loop to loop back to the relevance thing that we were talking about earlier, making connections for students, the real world examples of, sort of where other people have done what the student has done and why it has or has not worked. You know, if you're going to talk about, for example, if you're teaching kids about debate and you are trying to help them understand why they can't uh, make ad hominem arguments, why it doesn't work logically, it doesn't work from a rhetorical basis to attack the person that you are speaking to, that you're arguing with, you know, go out and look in the media and I promise you, you'll find 600 examples of ad hominem arguments in the news today. You can say, look, here's the reason that this politician, this speaker, this whomever, this, you know, why this two are, this argument between these two rock stars that you love is disintegrating into, into chaos because they're, they're arguing about, they're making ad hominem arguments. And look, you just did it in your paper here. And can you see how that doesn't work? Because that's taking something and saying, look, this isn't just about something you're writing on a page that will have no application anywhere. This is how people out there in the world get themselves heard. People who can't argue well don't get heard. So let me show you that. Let me make that relevant for you. So feedback that feedback needs to not just be in this vacuum of my writing class. It needs to it needs to actually be about what works out there in the world and how you get people to listen to you and how you get people to trust you. You know, that's making all that stuff relevant. That's a constant looping basis every single day. Sorry, yeah. that was a long-winded answer to that question. <laughs> that's, that's all right. That was that was good stuff. So one of the things that, that has changed in my family's life after reading this book is that we uh, have started doing a family council every mm-hmm. Sunday. And as part of that, we set goals. And I have four kids that are six, five, five, six, uh, <laughs> nine, and ten. Oh, you are uh, deep in it. Deep in it. Yep. Yeah. And so we start. We set these goals each week and talk about different things that we want to do. And my kids all know that I'm interviewing you, and they're all excited that I'm uh, able to do it because I've been talking about it for a long time at home. And so anyway, the goals have been just. Kid goals. I love first little kid goals. Yeah, they're I love great. Kid goals. <laughs> so one was I'm going to color every day, and I was Excellent. like, great. Yeah. <laughs> Another one was um, I'm going to uh, like clean up my room and make it ready to be vacuumed every day. Another one was I'm going to go on a date with mom or dad. That's awesome. But then my five year old this week, she said that her goal was to stop yelling at her sister to get out of her room when yeah. she's changing, and I was like. What? I mean, that's a very smart goal, sweetheart. That's a high level goal. That's great. <laughs> but that's fantastic. I, 
She's five years old, Jess. That's How amazing. can a five-year-old be aware enough to know that she's making a bad choice and she needs to change it and she actually wants to change it? We give kids so little credit. Oh, we really I do. I mean, that's why, I, I mean, I think, honestly, one of the biggest messages in Gift of Failure is that I don't really spell out clearly enough, I think, is um, is about transparency and honesty with kids. I think our we miss out on so many opportunities to teach kids stuff simply because we don't think they're developed enough to understand it. And you know what? If they're not developed enough to understand it, the more often they hear stuff or the more often we model stuff for them. It's sort of like, I think I, I so I talk a lot about when I'm teaching metaphor in middle school, when I'm teaching like, you know, um, literature and we're talking about, you know, these really high level metaphors and these extended metaphors. No, not everyone gets it, but you know what? The day they do show up and they do get it, it's going to be there for them to hear and for them to understand. So your kid, clearly you guys are modeling for your kids some pretty high level stuff because that's the only way she's going to get that. Someone's talking about that kind of stuff in front of her. That's where she got it. You good dad. (laughs) Um, I won't mention how many times I yelled at her to stop yelling at her sister. Well, maybe she's sending you a message. Maybe she's saying, I would like for you to stop. And sometimes that's the other thing is I think we tend to think of kids as being pretty simplistic, but I think they have some awfully smart ways of telling us things they need from us. Yeah, I do definitely believe that. I brought that up to talk about how important goal setting is and how I feel if my daughter can make that kind of a goal right now as a Mm five-year-old, There's nothing that she can't do later. And that's yeah. something that you talk about in the gift of failure is giving kids an opportunity to focus on their goals instead of just on grades or different things right. like that. So what else do you want to add to that idea of setting goals? Well, it was something that I was doing as an, as an advisor to my students. I mean, I was for some crazy reason, I was doing it with my students and it never occurred to me to do it with my own children. You know, you sit down, We the school where I was teaching had a plan book where we specifically gave room in the margin of each week um, to write down a few achievable short-term goals, and then a longer-term goal as well. So every single week, I was sitting down with my advisees, talking to them about, you know, where are you with this goal, and how'd that go, and how'd this go, and where are you with that? And then all of a sudden, it's sort of, I don't know, this light bulb went off, and I said, wait a second, you know, these is such a powerful tool, um, and I can't believe, you know, I just don't talk about that with my kids. It's just not something I do. And that process has really evolved in my family. I mean, now it's it's not something we do formally much anymore, but it comes up a lot. It certainly came up at the, you know, we all got together and we were talking about goals at the beginning of the new year because we, you know, I, I hate the word resolution, but we were talking about goals and one of my kids chose this time around to not share some of his goals with me. And that was really important moment for me to, to respect that impulse. Yeah. You know, my kids are getting older. I have an 18 and a 13 year old and some goals are private and that has to be okay too. And at the same time, you know, I'm continuing to, to make, to tell them about my goals for things that are scary for me. And so it was even sweeter recently this past week, I achieved a goal that I have been trying for, for a couple of years now and had failed a whole bunch of times. And I finally succeeded this past week. And my kids were so happy for me because they knew that this was something that I had wanted for a really long time and I had been working at. And, you know, so people out there are going to see this thing that I've done and say, oh, that's great. She, you know, that must have 
you know, that came easily for her. But my kids were like, oh, no, no, no. She's been trying and failing at that for ages. So <laughs> it's it's a real ability, this ability to celebrate. And goals are private. When goals are, even if you keep don't keep them private, even if you tell your family about them, if your daughter fails at that goal her first few times around, it's not that big of a deal because it's her goal. It's not something that's been right. imposed on her. There's no punishment if she fails at it. There's just, you know, her own accountability to herself, which is great because, you know, kids, you know, we, it tends to be all or nothing with a lot of kids. Either you succeeded or you failed. But for, for personal goals, there's a lot more leeway than that. So yeah. I think, I think and, and you're showing your daughter that you respect her as a human being by listening to her talk about her goals. It's all such, I, I just love the process of setting goals. Yeah, I do too. I, I run a mastermind with uh, uh, principals across the country and each week we set goals for the things that we're going to accomplish. And that's not necessarily an easy thing for adults to do either. Yeah. And when somebody fails at one of their goals, then they're way harder on themselves than the rest of right. us. And the rest of us are like, yeah. oh, don't worry, you'll get it next week. <laughs> and that person's like, oh, drat, you know, and they, they, they make a big deal about how frustrated they are that they can't do this thing. But it, what's amazing is that just the act of setting goals is just so powerful for anybody who does it. And you know, that's another thing that I've seen with my kids is as they set their goals, sometimes they make them, sometimes they don't. And this last week, we all met our goals for two weeks in a row. And my daughter, my older daughter said, hey, because she keeps track of everybody's goals. <laughs> she said, hey, we all met our goals for two weeks in a row. And so then my other daughter said, we need to have a dance party to celebrate. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, well, probably should. <laughs> So. That's excellent. Well, then the, the nice thing also about the goal setting thing is it also gives you another opportunity to model for them your reaction. There's a book I love and I talk about in Gift of Failure called um, Adapt by Tim Harford. And it's a business book, um, but it has a lot of application to the to parenting as well, because it, he says, you know, the way we adapt to our failures are will is what essentially really spells success or failure later on. If we choose to just sort of deny it and pretend like the, the failure never happened, then we're not learning anything from that. And so those moments when you don't reach your goals and you say, huh, oh my gosh, wait a second, what did I do this time that maybe I should change up? What, what should I do differently? And one of the things that's important about that is um, kids who, we're seeing a lot of kids now who are getting so wrapped up in um, perfectionism that it's actually leaking on over into sort of a more OCD kind of problem. Those kids in particular really need to hear process-oriented talk as opposed to product-oriented talk. Yes. So when you say, well, yeah, I, I didn't reach my goal this time, but what am I going to do differently next time? You know, when that kid comes home with an F on a test, rather than, you know, freaking out over the F, the best way to handle that is to say, okay, so what did you do to get this F? And, and what are you going to do differently? And what are you going to try? What did you do this time that didn't work? What did you do this time that did work? Did you talk to a friend about, you know, their A and find out what they did that worked? Um, a lot of talk about process um, and goal setting really lends itself well to that talk about process. Yeah, absolutely. You've given a ton of great book recommendations, and I've put them as links in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. So if you're listening and want to see read these books, um, just go to the show notes page and you'll be able to see them. Jessica, I know our, our time is coming to an end, but I really appreciate all that you've talked about. The last question that I ask everybody is, what is 
one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal? I'm going to have to come back to this discussion of goals because I think showing people that you respect their goals uh, is one of the most important things to do to show that you respect them. And so I think if, you know, if as a principal you can show respect for the growth that your teachers um, and the people that work for you are, are trying to make in their own lives and have respect for that, even if it's some tiny small thing, like you have a teacher who just can't seem to make it on time every day, um, and they express that their goal is to try to be on time more, just having some respect for the personal growth that each person that works for you is, is trying to make. I think that goes a long way to show that we have respect for those people. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for being on the show. And real quick, give out how people can learn more about you and, and find the things that you're doing because you got a lot of stuff going on. Well, everything is at jessicalahey.com. Um, you can, if you, in fact, if you sign up there for the newsletter, um, I have some bonus chapters coming, including one for the kids. It's kind of the talk I give to kids at school. Um, about how they can step up and sort of close the loop when their parents give them an inch um, and so that they don't, you know, they can hold up their end of the bargain. And my speaking schedule's there and my um, the podcast show notes are there. So you can always find out what we're talking about on the podcast. And that the Am Writing podcast is fun because it's sort of an outlet for me to talk about life as a writer and, and the ins and outs of that. And I do that with my former New York Times editor, um, KJ Delantonia. And we talk about, you know, how to get the work done, how to actually get the writing done every day. And all of that stuff is there. So, and if you're going to be in the neighborhood, um, you know, when I'm out doing the speaking engagement, please come up. Cause I always do signings at the, at the events and they're always a lot of fun. I get to meet and talk to people and answer questions. So. Cool. Well, thank you again, Jess. It's been an honor chatting with you. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Thanks so much for listening to that interview with Jessica Leahy. I'm really glad that you were able to hear that. And please do share this with somebody who could use it. It is uh, really good stuff in here. And I really like her suggestion for how to be a transformative principal is to show respect for the growth that your teachers are trying to make. And in our evaluation system right now in the country, that is such a difficult thing to do. And I just want to encourage you to look at that growth and if teachers have opportunities to do their own goal setting about what they want to learn and how they want to improve. I encourage you to take advantage of that because the growth that happens with that is so powerful and just amazing for them when you can allow that to happen. And if you have some questions on how to help teachers with that growth, I'm happy to help you out. Just uh, reach out to me, my contact information uh, on Twitter at Jethro Jones, or you can call 8017-JETHRO, and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Thank you so much for listening to the Transformative Principle podcast. If you take a minute in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org, you can leave a review for the show. That will help other people hear it and then share it with all your friends and make sure everybody can learn from the amazing people that are kind enough to come on the show with me. Thank you so much. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash B-E 
to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.